Today on CityCast Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has ordered police to immediately enforce a 10 p.m. curfew for Chicago minors, and they're not allowed in Millennium Park past 6 p.m. Thursday through Sunday without an adult. The mayor announced the new rules earlier this week in response to the death of 16-year-old Shondell Holiday, who was shot and killed near the Bean over the weekend. Lightfoot says these measures will help curb violence downtown, but how do young Chicagoans feel about being kept out of the city's jewel of a park? We asked Asada Lewis from the youth violence prevention group Good Kids Mass City. It's Wednesday, May 18th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. It gives me no pleasure to impose these rules and restrictions. But having exhausted every other opportunity, every other tool and remedy, we've got to go to this next step to make sure that our jewel of Millennium Park um, is available and open to everyone. Young people absolutely are welcome downtown, but in the evening hours, they must be accompanied by a responsible adult. Our city has a curfew, a curfew that has been in effect since at least 1992. Right now in Chicago, the curfew uh, for young people is 11 p.m. on the weekends. Today, I'm signing an executive order to move that curfew back to 10 p.m. You need to make sure that you understand what your young people are doing, who they are with, and where they are going. What were your thoughts and reactions hearing the mayor's words? The first thought I had, I was taken aback when she said she's exhausted all resources and options. For me, I know that that's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that when they think of the resources and options to violence, it's usually police. And we know that police have not solved violence at all. And they've perpetuated violence in a lot of situations. Um, Black and brown youth are dying on the south and west sides of Chicago daily, you know. And for me, it's like now we care when something happens downtown. She said that there's been a curfew white since. adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you said there's been a curfew since 1992. Why is it that most young people either don't care, don't abide or don't know about it? And why is it now become something that's more popularized? now that they went downtown after 10 p.m., 11 p.m., you know? Mm -hmm. So I definitely think Lori Lightfoot has a way of making it seem like they're doing everything that they can when they're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I heard the we've had a curfew since 1992, I immediately heard her trying to disconnect herself from the policy to say, hey, it's not my fault. I didn't create this. This is, this is above me, uh, but we are changing it. What effect is this going to have on, on Chicago's teens and, and young folks? I think it's going to criminalize them. I think it's going to give uh, police an opportunity to arrest young people and throw them into systems that are already known for being harmful. I don't think curfew is going to be helpful. It already isn't helpful. Clearly, if she said it's been in place since 1992 and young <laughs> right. people are out <laughs> at 12 p.m. downtown. Um, and I'm very, very, very concerned about how things are going to happen um, this summer and in the next few weeks as the weather gets warmer and as she enforces this curfew. 
The truth is when you enforce the curfew, it's up to who's ever in the park or who's whatever uh, cop is patrolling. And it's up to their discretion to decide if you look over the age of 18. Um, you know, as a young parent, I imagine at some point over the next 15, 16, 17 years, you'll enforce your own curfews in your own households, right? This is what time you got to have a TV off. This is what time you got to come in. But why is it different when the city is doing it, when the mayor is doing it versus when individual parents are making choices for their children? A lot of that, those things, um, as far as curfews with parents and children are established at a very early age, and it's to create a sense of, of routine making sure that we go to sleep on time so that we wake up and have enough energy to start our day. We eat dinner at a certain time because it helps our body digest things a certain time in a certain frame. It's just the routine to establish security and safety. This, this curfew is not doing that. This curfew is doing actually the opposite of that by creating a disarray because the curfew doesn't start at 10 p.m. And it really starts with police noting and, and making observation of where young people are and dispatching large groups of police force in those areas that create attention, that create a sense of urgency to not be in a certain place that makes you feel unwanted. It's, it's bad enough that young people don't have a lot of spaces to go to in the first place. But now you're taking away one of the most free options for young people to have, which is to go downtown and hang out with their friends and, and limiting their access. In reality, it's creating just a sense of, of unworthiness and unwantedness amongst mm. young people. Mm, I like the way you say that. Um, you know, all these questions we have about enforcement, reporters at uh, the mayor's presser had those same questions. I understand. So but what are the consequences? You said officers at the park will exhaust all other options before mm -hmm. taking law enforcement action. What is that law enforcement action? What, what are, we, are the teens being arrested? Well, why do you want to go to arresting children? No, I don't. I don't. I'm just, no, but, I'm just but, wondering. But I, I just I just have to raise that issue up. No, we don't want to arrest children. Sure. If we have to because they're breaking the law, we will. Okay. Yeah, I was trying. I'm just trying to get an idea of what that process looks like. When the process is, we'll have appropriate signage all over the park. We're going above and beyond to make sure uh, that we are. Um, educating young people, parents, um, the faith community, community-based organizations, so everyone knows what the rules are. And if necessary, police officers will let them know what the rules of the road are. And as I said, when we've seen this happen in other instances, they simply disperse. They follow the rules. I'm calling bullshit, <laughs> if I'm going to be frank. Like, I think it's disingenuous. Like, oh, we don't want to lock up young people, but what do you expect ultimately to happen but me and my partner were talking, and it's like, if you're going to put such a extensive and heightened curfew on Millennium Park, why wouldn't you do that for every park? Like, not, not to say that we need to do that for every park, but it's like, it shows that you have a certain group that you are trying to appease. And we know that that is affluent white people, you know, and affluent white people downtown are scared of black people. It just, it is what it is, you know? And it's just, for me, I'm like, <laughs> I was just listening to that. And whenever I hear a lawyer like would talk, I'm just like, <laughs> you don't want to enforce police standards, but yet you support police so heavily. You give them all this money.
Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. The research shows curfews don't reduce violence among young people, and they can lead to even more over-policing of black and brown kids. Uh, but Good Kids Mad City has been pushing its own proposal to reduce violence for years. I, I was looking at some of the breakdown, and you all proposed a four-ward pilot program that came mm -hmm. out to about $17 million of money for peacekeepers neighborhood commissioners, uh, healing resources and support resources for survivors of violence, mutual aid, uh, as well as job training and other uh, features. Uh, Asada, you know, the mayor in her most recent budget touted, you know, record spending for violence prevention for community programs. How is the Peace Book Ordinance different than some of the, the community-based programs that the city has pushed? Well, firstly, I would like to say that, you know, 17.2 million is really a drop in the bucket. Like mm -hmm. I said, if we do, if we add up all the numbers of money that's been spent on, on violence prevention, which in a lot of times violence prevention is really just over policing. And so I think this is remotely different because it, it really does focus on a healing and a restorative and a, and a whole framework of, of, of community in mind. And I mean the true community. I don't mean the figureheads and the people who say they mean well, but the people who are living it daily, living death daily to be a part of the healing that goes on in their community, right? And that means them being trained. That means them being part of community circles. That means being part of community cleanups. That means being uh, having communities hold themselves accountable um, because, again, that is a big part of it, right? How can we all hold ourselves accountable for the things that are happening in our community? The curfew and park ban are, again, a response to the fatal shooting of 16-year-old Shondale Holiday uh, near Cloud Gate uh, when a large gathering was there. How, how do you imagine the situation or, or its aftermath being different if something like peacekeepers and the peace book ordinance are in place? How, how does that large gathering of, of, of kids change? How does that situation potentially change? When we think about the peacekeepers and the violence interrupters and the mediators, those are people that are in the communities with the young people and can have those relationships and those conversations with the young people to say, is it really smart for y'all to be standing on cars right now in the middle of the street during a red light? Probably not. Come on, y'all. Let's 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 go. Let's let's go chill at the park, y'all. Let's let's do something else, right? And so 
we those instances of harm can change drastically when there's somebody there that somebody can connect with that can talk them off the ledge. Have you witnessed that relationship approach in your own personal life, solve conflicts, prevent conflicts from happening? Have you seen this practice in action like work? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I'm so passionate about it. There have been plenty of instances when a lot of times, you know, a young person is housing insecure or um, they just had a kid and are trying to figure out how to support them with very little means or a $12 an hour job. Right. And so how can we understand the circumstances of these people and be like, I see you, let's figure out, you know, maybe there's something I can do for you. Maybe you can come work for me. Maybe, you know, you can stay off social media for a little bit while we figure this out. Um, maybe we can have you separate from the crowd that you're with right now until we can get you on your feet. Right. And so I know that relationships really are key. And the relationships that we build with people are so, so important to the work that we need to do, because ultimately they're going to change the game and they're going to change the world when it comes to violence prevention in its fullness. Mm -hmm. Now, Sada, you, you 22, very recently a teen in Chicago. What do you think is the biggest thing that adults, specifically city leaders, you know, those people walking through Millennium Park, will they fail to understand about violence among young people? <laughs> That's a loaded question. There's so much. Um, I think they tokenize young people. I remember being 15, 16, being very well-spoken and very eloquent um, and, and knowing all the right lingo and all the right things to say. But at the end of the day, that shit don't matter because they still don't listen to you, right? Where it's like, oh, they're cute. Okay, let's listen to them. Let's put them on the, the city hall. Let's shake the mayor's hand. And then they enforce curfew laws at 10 p.m., right? And so... I think it's very important that young people are at the forefront of violence prevention, that young people are at the forefront and at the table for these conversations around things that are happening to them. Um, violence is something that is not, you know, more inherent for people of color. It's not more inherent from being on the South side. It's not more inherent from being on the West side. Violence happens because there is something that's missing from somebody that it happened that is being violent. Yeah. What does it feel like to simultaneously be blamed for the violence in the city, be tasked with doing the work to try to address it while simultaneously grieving to be from the South and the West side, we both know this personally, is to be so close to loss, so close to saying goodbye what is it like to do all this work and to simultaneously grieve for, for, for the people that you've lost along the way it's <laughs> it's tiring right um i think it's very very important to to not only recognize the work that these young people are doing but also to allow them grace i've been seeing a lot of people on facebook and twitter and all these adults um and older figures saying, well, I'm glad they're doing this. Good. These these young people are crazy, right? They need where their parents at, right? And so I think it is is disheartening to see that because I know that a lot of the young people downtown just really want to have fun, right? And um they're not expecting to do the things that are happening. Um but we also have to hold them accountable and say, okay, let's let's come to a solution and and a a, a way to remedy this. 
Asada Lewis is a restorative justice coordinator with Good Kids Mad City. I appreciate you joining City Cash Chicago. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Early voting in Illinois' June primary has been pushed back a week to next Thursday, May 26, because of ballot changes, including removing the war map referendum. A vote by mail ballots will begin to ship to voters early next week as well. Dr. Allison R. Woody says Chicago could move into high level for COVID-19 soon. Yeah, we're currently averaging close to 1,200 new daily cases over the last week. You can get free at-home COVID-19 tests in the mail, up to eight tests per household. I'll drop a link for you in the show notes. And some good news to get you through. It's International Museum Day, my friends. Chicago is home to dozens of museums, big, small, celebrating culture, arts, music. If you got a favorite, reach out to us on Twitter at CityCastChicago and let us know what it is. Also, subscribe to the daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm newsletter. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.